If the only two things certain in life are death and taxes, you might want to rethink that especially if your name is Cherie Amey. After having flatlined for almost 90 minutes, Cherie might beg to differ, and she's here today to share her story and to explore her passion for decentralization and for helping others. If you've got a pulse, then you've come to the right place for information, entertainment, and inspiration. This is episode number 391 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three... And everybody who's within earshot right now, please check your pulse. Travis Wright, please check your pulse. Uh oh, I have no pulse. Wait, no, 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 I have no heart. I have a heartbeat, but just. What are you, the Tin Man? I'm the Grinch. But the Grinch's heart grew three sizes. Well, this is, this is before that. Okay, when he I'm had. Still the free, I'm still in the small heart phase. You're you're the we're going to take over Whoville yeah. and yeah, I'm taking your Christmas and all that shit. Go down their chimbleys and share and steal all their stuff. The chimbleys sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that is Travis Wright. I'm Joel Com. This is the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, the crypto serious, and the crypto back from the deadest. Which you're going to be blown away when you hear today's story from Sharia May. The, coming back from the dead, that's just part of the story. It's going to yeah. be absolutely amazing. Coming back from the dead and like having whispered in her ear, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> buy Bitcoin. We know you're dead for a while, but when you get back, you might want to buy some Bitcoin. Maybe they whispered to her, check out SoMe Social, a blockchain-based social media platform that's designed for privacy and user control and content monetization. If you're going to be posting on social media, Twitter ain't going to pay you, Instagram ain't going to pay you, Facebook ain't going to pay you, LinkedIn also ain't going to pay you. Oh, neither will TikTok, Snapchat, or any of the others, but these new blockchain-based platforms are. Travis and I are on the platform. You could find us on SoMe, S-O-M-E-E dot social. Check it out today. The bio of this individual that we have with us today, it makes me feel like I've accomplished absolutely nothing in my life, Mr. Travis Wright. You should probably do some things. I should probably do some things because our guest today, Sherry May, is a transformational leader. She's a humanitarian. She's a writer. She's a global speaker, and she explores the intersection between advanced technology and humanity. Now, that you know that there's our little boilerplate bio but without the blockchain and tech stuff that we are going to get into she's a near-death survivor Mm -hmm. she was dead flatlined for 90 minutes 90 minutes 90 minutes yeah three months on life support in a coma lived on a bionic heart for almost five years waited a year and a half for a heart on the heart transplant list, got her transplant. Her story's gone viral, had millions of views from her interview with Megan Kelly, and she is one of the top speakers in the blockchain space, in the fintech space, and she is a woman you need to know. We're pleased to bring her to you today. Welcome, Sherry May, to Bad Crypto. Thank you. How are you both doing today? Well, I could just speak for myself. I'm doing okay. Travis, how are you doing? 
I'm doing pretty good. I haven't had any near-death experiences lately. <laughs> Man, this uh, the, this bio and all the, the stuff that you've done since then, we're going to get into it. But um, let's just jump back to before all the craziness happened. You know, what um, what what were you doing before you experienced death? So I was living, I was living. Yeah, I was, I was just living like normal. <laughs> I was enjoying life. <laughs> um, yeah, before things got really complicated, I was, um, I spent, let's see. So everything kind of happened to me starting around 2010. Prior to that, I had um, been about a decade in, in technology. I was a programmer uh, it, for I mean, engineering firms for um, startup tech firms. I, you know, got in in the late 90s, you know, when the internet was kind of birthed to <laughs> to the masses and um, have I've just been in it since the very beginning. And when um, the dot-com crash happened, I was still a, a, a programmer and... Um, was able to travel around the country to different places and always seemed to find work even when the economy was bad and the dot-coms were closing up. But So I survived that and ended up uh, finding a place in the newly digital marketing and branding and advertising field uh, in the early 20s and grew with that. And I think what that allowed me to do is it really allowed me to understand how to perform other uh, job roles, even within advertising and marketing. So that was kind of like the first time I jumped from being a self-taught coder to actually understanding the business behind digital marketing and, and branding and advertising. And I ultimately, after just building a very big incredible name for myself in in the tech field that did allow me to travel around and work for different companies, um, I ended up starting my own. And I had about 20 people working for me. It was a success right from the start. And we handled, you know, business, online marketing and advertising, building websites, all that stuff really before the age of WordPress and, you know, WYSIWYGs and all that stuff. And it was during that time that I, I got sick. And um, it started with, uh, first I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a rare form of cancer. Survived that, did chemotherapy and was cancer-free. And then it was about, uh, I think it was eight to 10 months later is when I suffered cardiac arrest. And that's kind of where my story picks up that most of the public is aware of by now. And, we're not aware of it. We want to yeah. be aware of it. We want to <laughs> be aware of it. No, just from the just from the bio that Joel read, you then then something happened. You ended up, you you ended up uh, flatlining for ninety minutes, and then was, spent three months on life support in a coma. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't fun. That's unbelievable. So did you just like wake up and, and like later on, like and you're like, what? It's not July. It's right. April. Yes, that's exactly what happened. In fact, I remember. Waking up, uh, number one, I woke up knowing I died. So I had just woken up. This was the first time I woke up after out of my coma was seven days after I flatlined. And 
I knew I had died because I had just come out of what doctors call a near-death experience, which is the term they coin for those of us that have, um, to you know, for lack of so many words, died, crossed over, experience what we call the afterlife and come back. Okay, you have to explain the afterlife to us then. What I know. <laughs> I know. Are there I mean, rainbows, unicorns, candy, <laughs> all the cake I can eat? What's there? Right. Do they accept Bitcoin? <laughs> a friend of mine said can i still go shopping in the afterlife <laughs> i had to actually stop and think about that i'm like um <laughs> but so the afterlife was um pretty incredible um if i were to sum it up i would say it felt like you know how every single day you kind of you you feel the 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 burden of life. I mean, let let's all be real. You know, even if we're enjoying our life, we we are still bogged down with responsibilities. You know, bills, people depending on us, and all of that accumulation makes us feel very heavy at times. And I think it presents our, itself with maybe sometimes we say we have a we're having a bad day or. Um, you know, this week was a struggle or this month has been busy. You know, there's just this normal way we communicate about our lives to people, everyday people. You know, the sun's out today. I'm feeling better. All these little things, really what it is, is it's the weight of the world on our shoulders. And so when I crossed over, it was literally like somebody took a 200-pound bag off of my back and I was free. And I'll never forget that moment because I realized that that's what it feels like to to have your soul free. Like, but where, like where were you? What what did you see anybody? Was it a place? Was it oh, a yeah. feeling? What yes. so immediately when I crossed over, I was just in this pure white light. Um I knew I recognized myself as Sherry, but I didn't ha really have like a body. So I felt more like um, like a spirit, you know. Um, so I'll say like I was formless, like I didn't have like my arms and my legs and all that. But it was just this white kind of space it just in the middle of nowhere. You know, it just was white, uh, almost as if you were in like a white room. And I remember Black curtains at the station. <laughs> and you know i instantly felt i i just remember feeling like oh this this i died that was easy and hey it's not so bad i just remember feeling really really confident with where i was um it wasn't scary at all and shortly after that, I actually was taken down. I mean, my story gets a little bit crazy, so I'm not sure how much you want to share. Oh, bring bring the crazy. <laughs> but I all of a sudden was like transported to the base of the ocean floor. And whenever I share this, people get really nervous. They're like, oh, my God, you know, did you feel like you were drowning? No. Um, so it wasn't like us being in 3d reality going to the bottom of the ocean floor it just i was transported there it was i could breathe underwater it was 
it was it was dark, but it was also fairly lit up, you know, with like a soft light glow. And I was surrounded um, by a circle. I was in the center and I was surrounded by what I called my guides. I didn't know what else to call them, but I just remember seeing them be like, oh, those must be my guides. So I was kind of, I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but I was, I was ready to go. I mean, I was, it's almost like how I am now with businesses. Like, okay, are we ready to go? I was like that in the afterlife. It was just like, okay, I know where I am. I'm okay with it. I feel free. So let's get on with this. <laughs> like, There's no waiting. And with all these guides sitting around me, it felt like I was in like a board meeting. Only nobody was talking. And so I'm trying to say to them, okay, I'm ready to move on. Like, let's go. I, I'm a well aware that I died. You know, you don't have to explain anything to me. Let's let's keep going. You know, let's move me on into heaven. <laughs> and they weren't saying anything to me. And so I started getting really, really frustrated. I'm like, why is this taking so long? And again, we're just hovering above the basement of the ocean floor. And just so you know what they look like, they looked like if you've ever seen like a, a scuba diver, but without the oxygen tank and they have the fins all dressed in black, uh, the whole black scuba suit. And then the face was completely covered by the suit, uh, by the scuba suit as well. So uh, if you could just picture that in human form, just kind of hovering. And there was about six, six to nine of them and uh, probably nine. They were just waiting there, just staring at me, you know, and I said, I'm ready, you know, let's go. And then I finally realized, oh, 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 okay, I need to slow down. I need to take a deep breath and I just need to listen. And that's when I heard telepathically, no, you're not done yet. We have a few things to show you. And at that point, time and space just as I knew it, collapsed. And it was like everything just went into a whirlwind. And that led me into this journey that they took me on, which was my lifetime review. So, and that's a whole other story. I mean, I had just had different lifetime reviews in different parts of the world. I was a different species at times. And I just went through this whole journey, literally living each lifetime as if it was this one that I'm talking to you and now. So if you can just imagine, I'm in this coma for seven days, and I'm experiencing what feels like lifetimes after lifetime after lifetime after li it was exhausting. And at the end of my lifetime reviews, I realized how all of these lifetimes connected, and why I'd gotten sick and why I had struggled in different areas of my life. And I also realized that the same issues I struggled with would continue on to that next lifetime unless I finally faced up and addressed them. And so I made this decision of saying, okay, I kept saying I was ready to go to heaven, but I changed my mind. And I said, you know, the way I look at it, I have two choices. I could either go on to the next realm and experience the same issues, but in a whole new landscape. So no longer a Sherry. Maybe I am, you know, living as some other creature that has a, an, 
a really terrible life and really terrible circumstances. Or I could go back into my body and face the same circumstances, but this time with a new awareness and a new understanding of how to face those fears, those issues, clear them so that I could free my soul so that those issues don't continue on uh, lifetime after lifetime. Sherry, isn't it a bit disconcerting or maybe a downer to know that all of that experience has just led you here with us today? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) this is it. (laughs) This is what I came back for, guys. Sorry. (laughs) You know what? It it would seem like that you've been given quite a gift because not everyone is able to figure out why they're here on this earth. And you were able to do a a review of every life that you've had so far, if that's how it all works. That's the thing is that most people here on earth have no idea how it all works. We've been in, we've been in, in, you know, we have a lot of dogma and there's a lot of different religions out here that tell us it's how it is, but we don't really know until we cruise to the other side. We think we know, and we hope we're correct. We hope we're going to the right place when it's all said and done, but you have had directives of what your soul needs to release whatever it is going on in this life. And that to me is endlessly fascinating. I've read a lot of books about, you know, past life stuff. And just because it's just, just, just ancient wisdom in general. Like I've read all these different things because it's just so fascinating to me. I know we think here's how it's supposed to be. Here's how we think it is. Here's how it's taught. Here's the dogma that's been placed upon us. But I don't always know that that's necessarily precise. It's pretty close in some cases, but it's not precise. And you've had the opportunity to say, Hey, here's your review. And you got some shit to do. So yeah. go, go back and take that's 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 a, that's fascinating to me. It is, you know, and it's also challenging, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's challenging to be back in a world that's still run the same way I left it, yet I have this whole new awareness of how things work and what I'm here for. And so what happens is they said buy Bitcoin. Right. Back and buy Bitcoin. You're like, right. what Bitcoin? What's this big? Trust us, buy it. Trust us. <laughs> it's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be big. You have, you have no idea how many people ask me, did you did you what, what did you see in the afterlife? Did they tell you about, you know, cryptocurrency and <laughs> like what's gonna happen with tech? It's so like, when is it gonna moon? Do they tell you? Like when is right? it gonna moon? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's um it, but I have to say it it's very challenging. I mean, I think the majority of people think, you know, oh, a near death experiencer comes back and wow, they're so lucky, they're so blessed, everything's perfect now. And I think one of the things I've really tried to do, which is why I do so many interviews, is um, there's only so much I can share in my writings. There's only so much you can share in a social media post. I really want people to understand that we come back, we're still human. We still have the same things going on. And the more and more we try to uh, get ourselves back into the world, the more we're going to feel that push and pull of of everyday life and how society works um and how things work and how people work you know and 
it's very hard to now walk the world with, it's like walking around with brand new eyes. I mean, I mean like eyes, like a new baby. Like when I came back from my near death experience, I was so, I was so like giddy and filled with love and, and so much light that it was almost too much for people. Because I'm like, but but don't you see this leaf? You know, like, <laughs> look how beautiful it is. The geometric patterns on her are so perfect, and the way that it, yeah, yeah. Like, that's an amazing story. Yeah. And and you know, the story continues. This is this is you yeah. really just getting started. You know, if you did indeed pass over to the other side, and they said, "Go back, you're not done yet." That means you know your biggest work is yet to come. And here you are in the tech space. Um, you advise the World Ethical Data Forum. You're ambassador to the New York Presbyterian Hospital and Columbia University Medical, and you are deep, deep, deep into blockchain. And so, you know, what do you feel like your purpose is now that you've, you know, you're sharing your story, that's part of the purpose, but the practical application of what you do on this planet in this life, how do you see it? Yeah, um, <laughs> practical, such a funny word after a near-death experience. But yes, I came back knowing, okay, and this is the wild part, is I knew this when I was on life support. So and, you know, you read my bio in the beginning. Not only was I in life support for three months, but then I, I was five years on a bionic heart, which kept me alive. You know, so I was literally a walking cyborg for about five years, you know, waiting a year and a half for a heart transplant. Then but when you walked, did you hear like, oh, yeah, pretty, no, 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 pretty much. I mean, you laugh, but pretty much I would go to sleep at night. I would hear the machine inside oh. my chest. So, I, I mean, I was only one of a few thousand around the world with this. So you have to understand, I was also a pioneer patient. So it, it's when you really dissect my brand and who I am, it's so connected to technology. It's wild. Uh, but I, I am a walking um, technology uh, use case. I mean, like an example of what advanced technology is doing these days. I mean, I would not be alive without it. So I think, you know, my biggest reason for being in the tech space is, is more than anything, um, a storyteller and a spokesperson. I absolutely believe in technology. I believe in ethical technology. And I, I absolutely know that it's not just about creating more and more tech, but we have to do it mindfully and with respect to humanity. So there's, you know, a lot of implications and a, a lot that has to be, you know, acknowledged and understood when messing around with technology. You know, we have ethical responsibility in having that much power. And so, so you know, that that's a whole other field. But my purpose, I knew, even from back when I was on life support, I knew I was going to recover, not just recover, but recover fully. Now, that's from my near-death experience. I was shown I would recover fully, but I had to wait. I mean, we're talking almost a decade now for me to be where I am right now. So, and my mission, I knew, was, of course, to bring... um 
it was always, of course, to bring healing and comfort to those who have lost loved ones, those patients that are on life support that I I, I will still to this day sit with in the ICU. Um, I'm still brought in to help counsel um, those that are on either the bionic heart or about to experience a heart transplant. Um, I'm very, very, I work very close with the hospitals. But I knew, I knew since back then, I was supposed to work with global, global leaders. There, I knew there was a powerful message that was coming through that had to do with the transformation of this global world. Now, when I was in the hospital, I didn't know it was going to be digital tech. I mean, you have to understand, when I was fighting for my life, we didn't have, I mean, we had some of this social media, but we didn't, I mean, everything's really exploded the past five years. So what I saw 10 years ago, it, I'm just as shocked learning about where I show up in the world, who I'm speaking with and who I'm alongside. I'm just as shocked as the rest of you all. Now, that's interesting. Before we get in and start talking more stuff about Bitcoin and blockchain and how you do it in that world, I want to ask this, like, so now that you've come to that other side, you've been there and you, you were hanging out and you saw it now, now are you, do you meditate more now? Is there anything like, what is your daily practice to tap into that spiritual world? Or is, is it since you've already sort of been there, it's just, it's just, you always feel connected to it. Yeah. It's kind of more maintenance, you know? I mean, I, I, I can still, let's just say if I stayed out of business for the rest of my life, I would probably be you know, always feeling one and connected with everything. But when you have to deal with a lot of people every single day and you're doing more personality management or, you know, uh, more practical applications of business or under needing to learn new forms of communication with people, all that kind of stuff can take you away anybody away from their, their daily grounding, shall we say. So I still do daily maintenance, yes, but it's much easier, I would say, for me now because I know what it feels like. I know, I think a lot of times for people, if you haven't ever meditated, you don't really know where you're going with it. Once you've meditated long enough, you know, your body starts to remember how it's going to feel once it's calm, once it's grounded, once it feels aligned and connected to everything. So I think because I was literally dunked into that environment by crossing over, it's very easy for me to understand what I need to do very quickly to regroup, reground, recenter, and feel connected all to all you know that exists. So yes, I still I mean, to answer your question, yes, it's much easier for me, but I still do daily maintenance. So I still do my meditation. I still journal. Um, I still listen to sound therapy. I still, you know, I will still do um, a lot of times for me when I need to release things. That's how it comes out in my writings or like I'll, I'll write more. I'll do articles more or I'll share um, what's going on with me more. I learned that by not sharing, you know, sometimes we're so scared to be all vulnerable and stuff out in the world. Well, after you die, you know, I, I really, that's the least of my problems that you know that I've, I'm struggling this month. That's the least of my problems. It's by not sharing that that made me sick. You know, it's, it's by trying to bottle that all up and try to be this perfect person in the world. That's how you get sick. Um, and 
while it's scary to be that vulnerable in the world, I realized I don't think I would have been on Megyn Kelly or Dr. Oz or even interviewing with you guys right now if I hadn't been just so vulnerable. Because I I didn't get here, you know, talking about the things, you know, we're going to get into. I didn't get here by being the best person in blockchain. I didn't even get ranked the top, you know, blockchain influencer or speaker because I'm the most knowledgeable on blockchain. That's not what got me here. It's that I have an ability to pour my heart into everything. I will learn as much as I can. I will learn about what people are struggling with in any field. And then I will merge it with my mission and my heart and my values. And from there, I will express and explain that industry to people so that leaders recognize I'm talking to them and everyday people know I'm talking to them. And that's just a skill that I have. You know, it's just, it's a natural skill of being able to relate to all walks of life and all forms of industries and businesses, levels of leadership. And I, I, like I said before, I'm almost like just this walking humanitarian spokesperson that is reinventing her life as she goes along And I see different industries or technologies that are aligned with my mission to impact humanity. And so if I see blockchain or cryptocurrency, that's going to help empower the people and um, create a decentralized future that really puts money and access to banking in more people around the world, even in developing countries like Africa. And, you know, that to me all supports my mission to be, you know, this global voice for humanity. So I always say to people, you know, don't be so don't be so afraid of getting into different industries or even technology or even blockchain because it technically sounds overwhelming. Just focus on your goals and what you want to actually accomplish in the world and then see if blockchain fits into that in any area. Sherry, let's get more specific on some of the things that you're seeing in blockchain that have you particularly excited, you know, maybe drilling down from the banking for everybody and freedom into projects that really are exciting you right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, I I mean, I, I started in blockchain working for a company that has a use case for blockchain and supply chain logistics. So I spent about a year um, learning all about supply chain logistics, which was fascinating, to be honest, and spoke around the world on stages about um, a technology that's being used to um, help track, you know, transportation or and transport of goods around the world in a secure, decentralized uh, environment. And so I'm more fascinated, you know, around the use of technology for uh, more security, um, more uh, accountability. So one of the areas, you know, for example, in, in supply chain logistics, many people don't realize that a lot of the connections from, you know, uh, carrier to carrier are still written in hand notes with a pencil. <laughs> and so a lot of times, you know, uh, cargos can go uh, missing because of who knows, maybe they went missing, they fell off a ship, or maybe they were stolen en route to being delivered to a manufacturing company from, you know, China. 
And so that system is so archaic, that system that actually tracks a package going from, you know, China all the way to the United States, you know, being picked up by a truck and then taken by rail and then by truck again to be assembled and then eventually sold at a store. Most people don't realize the number of transactions that actually have to happen to even just purchase, you know, their iPhone or their clothes that they wear every single day. And so what was fascinating for me was learning that blockchain, um, all that data can actually be uploaded onto the blockchain. And so if any, if at any point during this transport of goods, the products were lost or they were stolen, you could actually go back and, and, locate exactly where this issue happened and you don't have any issues with somebody trying to fudge the numbers or you know take their eraser on the back of the pencil and erase um, where the issue happened because nobody wants to take responsibility for you know losing a company's millions of dollars. So I think just the aspect of accountability, really rings true for me. And, you know, I think a bigger example that people can understand is, you know, we hear in the news all the time that there's like an E. coli breakout or something with our lettuce, right? I love salads. I love uh, romaine lettuce. And several times that's been recalled. And you're just like, okay, well, it's recalled, but which there's tons of different brands, you know, where was it, where did it originate from? And how do you trust as a consumer that this was eventually resolved? And one of the things that blockchain and just tracking um, these transitions, you know, along the way are going to help us do is help us identify where certain things happen. So where is it that this lettuce originated from? So we can determine um, what route it went on, you know, what else did it come in contact with? What truck was it on? And so a lot of times when bad things are happening, you know, I think companies get really afraid. They get afraid of getting caught. They get afraid of making a mistake. And so you never really know what happens behind the scenes to actual data that's going to protect us. And so with um, blockchain, we'll be able to actually have this immutable ledger that can't be changed. So you can actually have an accountability trail where you can go back and see where things have happened and who is accountable. And, you know, there's so many questions, I think, in the world that people want to know what's happened, what's happened to their money, what's happened to their goods. And these are things that have been out of our control for a long time. And blockchain really enables us to more than anything, um, provide more accountability, which at the end of the day helps put money back in in corporate pockets as well. So it really helps everybody. Um, but that's just one of the many areas. But in general, you know, blockchain, like I said, it's for security, um, transparency, just so people are understand what's going on behind the scenes with our money, with our banking, with our our goods, any type of transaction, even real estate, you can use it for contracts, right? So anything that requires any kind of transaction is 
and then the exchange of of you know currency or goods is a prime use case for blockchain. Yeah, I want to I want to ask you this because there seems to be there's you know it's it, it, there's kind of a dichotomy around blockchain in a way that it seems to me that blockchain, if used correctly, could free up civilization, make it much more fair, take it take the power away from the elite and sort of distribute it back to the people in a more fair way. Or it could end up becoming the tie that 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 sort of shackles us all because, you know, we see some of the things that's going on with China and how they're saying, all right, you're on the blockchain, pledge your allegiance to the to the CCP. And if not, then maybe you don't you know, you're, that's going to lower your social credit score and you're now you're not going to be able to be on trains, you're not going to be able to be on airplanes and you know, it just right. it just seems interesting to me. So, sort of tapping into you know uh, the feelings of oneness that you had had maybe when you were on the other side. Like, what is what is your feeling about you know how how do we ensure that the good guys win? Yeah. So, I mean, while I was in you know deep in supply chain logistics, you know, I did notice a lot of things that started to. <sighs> You know, what I think once the excitement started to die down and I was able to start getting better answers till I had a ton of questions going into blockchain. So I, while yes, of course, I'm excited about new technology, I was probably one of the more skeptical ones about how is this really actually going to work? So I'm definitely not somebody that just kind of gets excited and then like, that's it. Like I was really diving deep into core questions cuz you know while everything i you know just shared sounds fantastic you know what's the reality of all this you know and so i love that you answered that question because for me it started raising many many questions uh, um or many concerns and one of them is that i think it's easy in technology to think that one tech is going to be like the the grand savior of of all things, and all of a sudden, that's the people. Coin. That's why bad coin exists. It's going to save the world. Right, exactly. It's going to just save the world. People come on top, and like you know, the elite and the big company, they're just going to all come crashing down. And the thing is, the reality is, the world isn't going to work like that. Number one, and it's not going to work that fast. So I think people forget to the amount of time it takes technology to make changes in the world. So again, you're talking to somebody that has been in since the beginning of the internet. Like I helped build part of the internet. So if I was in back then, and then now you're telling me, oh, now we're all getting excited about digital tech. I'm like, geez, I've been in this, you know, since, you know, 1998, you know, and look at how long it's taken to get to this point. Now, obviously things are moving faster, but you have to understand like, that is not how tech works because just because the tech is there, it doesn't mean that we don't need rules and regulations to keep up. It doesn't mean that we don't need to consider ethics. It doesn't mean that, okay, you're talking about all of these things, but what happens, like you said, with data being stuck somewhere, maybe it's data that's infringing on my privacy now all of a sudden stuck on the blockchain. And like you said, maybe down the road, it's impacting whether or not I'm able to get on a flight to travel across 
disease. I mean, these are legitimate concerns. These are concerns that I raised in the very beginning of blockchain, but it wasn't taken very well. Um, my big talk, my big signature talk for blockchain was called Humanizing Blockchain. And it was really bringing up some of these issues, which was scary for me because the industry was so gung-ho on blockchain that I almost felt like I was the only one saying, whoa, 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 you know, slow down. Is this really the best for all of us? And it kind of leads into why I'm advisor with the World Ethical Data Forum now, which is, you know, we're, we're a platform that's facilitating the impartial and unbiased discussion of um, data its use, AI, you know, privacy and freedom of the press. So what we're seeing is we're seeing 20 years of tech kind of coming to a head now, which is why this year is so pivotal, this decade is so pivotal, because we're seeing years of, and the whole, and where this ties in is all all this stuff that's going to be secured on the blockchain is data. At the core of everything is data. And while deep into blockchain, I started asking, but what about this data? Like, what about this data? What are you collecting? And what about its ability to be put on an immutable ledger that cannot be changed? So that was my core question is, wait a second, what is going on with big tech? Because I realized that a lot of these blockchain companies, what they were, to me, what they looked like were just data collection pools. That's actually just what I saw. And I didn't really have words for what I was experiencing, but I saw it and it made me a little hesitant. And it wasn't until I met more people within the World Ethical Data Forum that I started making the connection between this data and what's happening on social media, what's happening with the algorithms, what's happening with Cambridge Analytica and the Facebook breach. You know, I started hearing about Brittany Kaiser coming out, started looking more into what Edward Snowden was talking about. And that's kind of how I fell into this whole topic of data. I realized that data was no longer what we used to think of. We used to think data was just like, Oh, let me just fill in. Here's my zip code, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's my birthday, you know. Okay, I don't mind them knowing, you know, this is my middle name. You know, as an everyday person, you know, using websites, you know, you fill out a form, blah, blah, blah. What we don't realize is how much uh, innovative technology has grown. And with the introduction of AI, that is now allowing us to take years of data collection. So all these years you've been on the internet, AI now has that brain power, quote unquote, to take all these data points, you know, gazillions of data points from around the world that all of us have been inputting for the past 20 years. And take it and analyze that. And then when you can analyze that, you can actually start to develop behavior patterns about people. And when you can then 
develop behavior patterns. You can then use those behavior patterns to think up, think, quote unquote, the AI can create new models that can make you actually think you are making conscious choices in your everyday online activities, but you're really not. The model just knows you so well that it knows how to direct your choices, but make you think that you're making those choices on your own. Oh man, that's a whole other rabbit hole right there. I feel like there is so much to be gleaned from uh, you, your story, your outlook, and uh, people can learn more if they go to our show notes. We got all kinds of links, links to the video that uh, the interview that you did with Megan Kelly, as well as your website, um, your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of those places. Sherry, we just want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing with us today. I know that people will find this conversation a little different from what they may have experienced on Bad Crypto, but that's kind of what happens because we're bad. <laughs> thank you so much, everyone. And yeah, it's pretty wild, but you can start to see how my near-death experience really tapped me into this wild place of, of social media and data. Holy cow, what an amazing, inspirational story. And didn't Stevie Wonder write a song about her? My Sherry, I Are you wearing your sunglasses? Are you doing the head thing? You got to do the head thing. If you sing Stevie Wonder, it's part of the the deal. You got to do the head thing. Uh, Three months in a coma. Yeah, that's amazing. Like Bionic heart. She's a bionic woman. Such a great story. And not only did we just, you know, deliver on this podcast, she will be at Virtual Blockchain Week. She is doing a keynote at this thing as well. We really enjoyed chatting with her and her story. And we wanted you guys to hear more from her. And so make sure to check that out, virtualblockchainweek.com. Registration is absolutely free. We do have some really cool opportunities, though, if you want to do the VIP thing. And right now, the VIP thing is only $97 for just a little while longer. Once we hit 50 on that, we are going to turn that off. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to go up. The price will it's going go to go up. up. That's true. Yeah, yeah, the 97 goes away. So so go ahead and get it now, especially if you are a citizen of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. You can consider this early warning, the Bad Cryptopia discount. We're getting about, what, about 15 new people a day registering for the thing. Right, I, I think it's more than that. It's more than that. Yeah, they're oh, nice. they're coming. They're definitely coming in, and and we've barely begun. We've only started promotions here on the show. None of the speakers yet have their graphics that they're going to be posting on social, and their emails are going to be sending out to all their followers. So it's uh, yeah, we're going to do some stuff on Brave too. We're going to be promoting some things there. Got some some advertising there. So we're going to be all over the place. There, there could be a lot of people at this thing, which could be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And another place you could find us is in Upland. If you haven't downloaded the Upland app yet, what are you waiting for? Badco.in forward slash Upland is the place to go. This is the the location-based property trading game, and they've got a lot of cool new features, including the ability to see the Google Street View, the actual property that you are buying, the that you can own the digital representation of. Yeah, that's pretty handy just to go on, on... Click that there on Google Street. That was one of the things that we suggested because it would be like, wow, this is a really cool place, it looks like. But what is it? How do I see it? I want to see it. And they're like, oh, we'll just connect it to the APIs and we'll pop up Google Street View. So it's really cool. I have a piece of property where there's like 
<laughs> in San Francisco is in San Francisco, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a picture of a, there's a picture of a guy taking a dump right in front of my property. <laughs> People are getting excited because New York is going to be the next location that they have properties. Go to badco.in forward slash upland to do it on your mobile browser. And when you sign up, you can get 6,000 free upix instead of 3,000. So go check that out. Yeah, I'm downtown in Upland. Downtown Travis Brown. Ooh. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Our next interview is going to be with Jed McCaleb of Stellar, and we're building up to episode number 400 that'll be here before you know it. And guess who's coming back for the centennial episode? Mr. John McAfee, who also is doing a uh, keynote at Virtual Blockchain Week. Mm, We got all the great people. I don't know if you guys heard this. You listened to the last uh, episode that we did, but we also got Justin's son of Tron. He is on the show as well and don tapscott who will be on a future interview here on bad crypto he is going to be one of the main keynotes at the event as well what are you waiting for the closing closing guy yeah right before the party Mm -hmm. it's gonna be great thanks for listening everybody we appreciate you don't forget to subscribe review and share y'all are sitting around quarantine anyway might as well gather around the podcast player like old time radio style and introduce Mm -hmm. your family members to the bad crypto podcast yeah not only the podcast tell them about the conference because we're going to be doing some specific uh, uh presentations around you know, people who are just getting started. We want to make some stuff just for some beginners and then intermediate and advanced. So we're going to have some stuff for new people as well. So share it on social media. You know, go check it out. You know, virtual blockchain. We tell your friends. We want to see some shares on this thing. That's that'll be awesome. Yeah, and don't forget to play Glad. I mean, wait. I just had a like a weird brain fart there. Be had. Stay dead. No, don't say. <laughs> Stay bad. That's it. Stay bad. Got it. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.